0: Okay, so it's confession time. Are you guys ready? Some of you are going, I picked a bad day to come to church. <laughs> How many of you have ever been lost? Anybody? Uh, I, I, have to say, I have to say, as I as I was preparing for this morning, I, I was thinking, and and for the life of me, I can't recall a time when I've been lost. Um now, now there might be two things playing into this. One might be that my memory is not as good as it used to be. Um, the other thing is my definition of being lost. So let me give you my definition of being lost. For me, being lost is I don't know where I am, and I don't know how to get to where I'm going. Now, I can't just be one of those. If I don't know where I am, but I know how to get to where I'm going, I'm okay. I'm not lost. Or if I, if I know where i am even though i don't know how to get to where i'm going i'm still okay because i know where i am i'm not lost so i'm just saying um when we were in alaska uh, we we did we went to this little nature center and and uh, we were hiking on some trails and and you know there there are signs that say stay on the path have you guys ever seen those um and and uh if if you go to the space museum down in alamogordo uh, they do an additional thing there. It says, watch for rattlesnakes. So I think that'll help you stay on the path a little bit. You don't go wandering through the weeds. But we're walking along at this this uh, nature center and, and walking along the path. And I can think, think of several good reasons to stay on the path. One of them is this. Um, they went to, especially at this little nature center, they went to great lengths to create these nice little paths. They, they totally went through the whole thing. And if you stayed on the path, then Then you wouldn 't destroy the other parts, plus they made the path so that it would take you through the most scenic you know little parts around you you get to see all the cool stuff. Well, the second reason uh, that I can think of that that it's good to stay on the path is if you stay on the path, should the need arise for emergency personnel it's going to be a whole lot easier for them to get to you. You know, if you trip, if you go off the path and, and, and you're out a ways and you trip and fall and you, you break something, it's going to be harder for them to get to. And <clears throat> I'm at the age where those kind of thoughts run across your mind a little bit. Um, but, but finally, if you stay on the path, then it can help keep you from getting lost. Because the path leads somewhere, and and if all else fails, all you have to do is turn around and retrace your steps, and and hopefully you'll end back up where you started. Uh, If not, at least you're lost on the path, and someone else will wander along and find you uh, and help you get back. Well, the Apostle Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he talks about those who depart from the faith. And I know that there are times where we run across these, these places in Scripture and, and we, we don't really, we can't come to a Scripture um, totally objective because we have the things that we've been taught as we grow up. We have our experiences. We we, we have all these things that we bring with us. We we do the best we can uh, to, to come to it as objectively as we can. But when Paul writes, depart from the faith, that, that kind of kind of gives us a little bit of pause. So today we're going to talk about what he means by departing from the faith and how we can avoid it. So turn with me, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Paul writes this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the holy word of God and prayer. So a couple of things. First, I want to hit this little phrase in latter times or later times. Whenever we hear that, Most of the time, we think about, okay, so there's the rapture, and then we've got the tribulation, and that's the the latter times, or the later times, or the last days. Here's what you need to understand from Scripture. When Paul writes this, he's talking about this period, in fact, everywhere, where it talks about in the end times, or end days, or latter days, or last times. He's talking about the period of time from Jesus' ascension to go be back with the Father and his return. That whole period of time are the last days. So I have people a lot of times come up and say, Pastor Larry, do you think we're living in the last days? Do you think we're living in the end times? And I say, yeah. And we have been for like 2,000 years. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, Paul had to address a group of people who like quit working. They went and sat on the hill waiting for Jesus to come back, right? So we have been, and I don't mean to diminish that at all. We are to live as if Jesus were to come back this second right that's what we would expect but this this latter times he's talking about the period of time between Jesus ascension and his return and and that's where we are and Paul says in these times there will be those who depart from the faith now I, I know i um, we, we read that and and uh, you know people think you can lose your salvation well let me tell you you have two options in the way that you interpret this verse. There are really only two. I guess I should say that. They're not both um, equal. But there are only two ways that you can interpret this passage because of the way Paul writes it, because of the context of the passage, and then we'll expand that just a little bit and look at the other theology, the other doctrine that that Scripture teaches. One one of them is this way. So option one uh, of interpreting this passage, And, and by the way, don't forget there's option two. Um, just stay with me. You guys block those doors back there. Um, option one, the only two ways you can interpret, the first way is this. You can interpret it that you can lose your salvation by being deceived. Now, now, you have to put that whole phrase in there because some people say, well, that sounds like you can lose your salvation. Well, if you go there, then you have to go the whole way. And, and if you take it, if you interpret this passage as saying that, then you have to say that you can lose your salvation by being deceived because that's what Paul's talking about. He says, there will be those who depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid, this is some of the teachings that these people were giving, uh, who forbid marriage require abstinence from foods that god created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth so if you if you go with option one you have to go with the whole thing and you have to say you can lose your salvation by being deceived now here's one thing that we know for sure in scripture the writer of hebrews in chapter six um Helps us understand this, that if it were possible, and and that's the way that I take that whole discussion that he writes in chapter 6, if it were possible for you to lose your salvation, there is never again any hope for you. Let me explain that just a little bit. He writes it this way. He says, um, and then have fallen away, he talks some beforehand, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. It's impossible is what he's saying since they are crucifying once again the Son of God. So what Paul is saying, I'm sorry, we don't know that Paul wrote Hebrews. What the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that if it were possible for you to lose your salvation, if there were some circumstance that would make that possible, you are forever doomed because the only way then you could be saved again is for Christ to be crucified again on the cross for your sin. So, Are you with me still? There are two problems, or more than that, but two problems uh, with with this, uh, if you go with option one. The first problem, other than you could lose your salvation, that's a big problem. The first problem is this. It makes salvation an intellectual thing. If you can lose your salvation... By being deceived or by turning away from sound teaching to false teaching, if that's how you lose your salvation, it makes it an intellectual thing. You have to know and understand and believe the right things in order to remain saved, and I would say probably to be saved to start with. Does that that make sense to you? We're making an intellectual thing. Never in Scripture do we see that, that being saved is an intellectual thing. In fact, some try to make it that way. The Pharisees tried to make it that way. We run across people all the time in, in this day and age who try to make it an intellectual thing. And they do it by saying, okay, well, then explain this to me. You ever run across somebody like that? Explain this to me. Well, then what about this? Well, then what about this? What they're saying is this must be an intellectual thing. And if, and if you can fully explain everything to my satisfaction, then, okay, I'll assent and, and I'll, I'll follow Jesus. The second problem is this, it puts the burden of salvation on us. That means that we have to make sure, if, if you go with option one, that you can lose your salvation by being deceived, that that we have to make sure, it's up to us to make sure that we're not deceived and that we don't follow any false teaching. All right, Option one doesn't sound very good, does it? So let's look at option two. Option two is this, that this passage is talking about departing from sound doctrine, not departing from salvation. Now let me tell you why I go with this one. Just a couple of reasons. Remember, uh, you know, we have chapters in our Bible and we kind of forget that this is a letter, you know. Timothy didn't say chapter four, you know, as he's reading Paul's letter. Uh, It's a letter. And so just prior to chapter 4, verse 1, you have chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 that we covered last week. And here's what Paul says here. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing this to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then Paul gives us this, which was either a a hymn or a creed that obviously he had heard had been repeated and handed down to him. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up with glory. You see, it's right on the heels of that that he's saying, look, I I want you guys to understand the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth, and, and this... This is like the essentials right here that I'm going to give you about Jesus. It's right on the heels of that, right after he says, believe in the world, taken up in glory. Now the Spirit says expressly that in latter times, some will depart, the, depart from the faith by v- devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So, so Paul, what he's doing here is just prior to this departing of the faith talk, is talking about sound doctrine, and he kind of bookends it here. So he talks about sound doctrine, that little creed that we see, and then he talks about there's some that are going to depart from the faith. In other words, there's some that are going to depart from this, and then he has the other bookend in here that he talks about this this false teaching. Sound teaching, some depart, and then here's the result, that they fall for the false teaching. Here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. You can walk away from sound doctrine, but you cannot walk away from your salvation. Now, let me tell you why that's true. Um, in Colossians chapter two, verse thirteen, Paul Paul writes this. So, so here's what we need to understand happens with our salvation, even though uh, it's still uh, the fact that why God would save us and how He did it is goes beyond our comprehension but it's important is for us to understand what happened here Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 to 14 Paul writes and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses here's how by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside Nailing it to the cross understand what happens here Paul's saying here's what happened with your salvation The debt that was that you incurred because of your sin What is the the debt of sin or the wages of sin? It's death, right? Condemnation so the condemnation that we deserve for our sin God Cancelled the record of debt and then he says a, a, a neat little phrase here by nailing it to the cross What does that mean? Well look to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Paul says, "For our sake he that is God made him that is Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him." Do you get what happens here? When Jesus died on the cross, yes, the physical death was excruciating, more than most men could bear. Most men would have died before they got to the cross. But that's not really the essence of what that, the cross was about. Because Jesus, while he hung on the cross in a way that I can't fully understand, God took my sin and your sin and put it on Jesus. The way that he talks about in Second Corinthians is he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. Jesus became our sin. And then God poured the wrath, the punishment, the condemnation that we deserve for our sin, all of that was poured out upon Christ on the cross. Because of that, there exists no record of the debt we owe because of our sin. It's been paid. I thought at least a subtle amen. Isn't that amazing? God emptied the wrath The condemnation we deserve for our sin he emptied it on jesus on the cross for those who believe that's why we get the romans chapter 8 1 and the apostle paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ we think of condemnation as you're making fun of me or you're picking on me you know or you criticize me that's not what paul's talking about romans chapter 8 verse 1 is talking about the condemnation for our sin there is therefore now no condemnation for our sin. Why? Because Jesus took it all. And that record of debt was canceled. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So let me put it to you this way. There is now, for those who are in Christ, no basis upon which God can condemn you for your sin. Now you're saying, whoo. That mean I can sin all I want. Well, Paul handles that too, because some of them were saying, "Hey, look, where sin abounds, grace abounds, so if we sin more, we get more grace, God says, "God forbid. <laughs> no." And the Greek, "No, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But that's where we stand, righteous in, in God because of Christ. Because there's no record for those who believe, no record of our debt for sin. It's been paid. It's gone. It's done. There's no basis upon which God can condemn those who believe, those who trust in Christ. Isn't that cool? It's gone. It's not tentatively gone. You don't have temporary eternal life. You know, you got it or you don't. The way that I've said it before was either Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was enough or it wasn't. It can't be enough for now if I hang on to it. You can walk away from sound doctrine, but you cannot walk away from salvation. And I know we live in the United States of America where you can be anything you want to be. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And we're even in the Southwest. We're a lot more independent than that. But listen, there are some things you can't undo Don't believe me? Anybody got kids? You can't undo that. That's just how it is. Thank God. Because if it were up to me to either get or to hang on to my salvation, I did that in the first service too. My texts came out when I said, my. Um, I'm sunk. If it's up to me to get it or to keep it, I'm sunk. There's no hope for me. It's not up to me because of the work that was done on the cross. So, as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper, to take communion together, it's it's a great time for us to do a couple of things. One, it's a great time for us to, to really focus again on what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus wasn't a martyr. He was a sacrifice. He was the atonement for our sin. Because he took the punishment for our sin, God is pleased with us. That doesn't, that doesn't feel like me most of the time, but it's true. We can focus on what Jesus did on the cross for us. He did it all. None of me, all of him. I simply believe and receive. Isn't that great? <laughs> for those who believe, we receive eternal life. That's cool. But it also helps us to kind of kind of take stock and ask, where are we? Where are we in our relationship with Christ? Where are we in, in relation to his word? When I was in, in high school, we took a mission trip to South Texas and uh, and so one of the days was a, a beach ministry day, and we had some time for a little bit of fun. I know, beach ministry, that sounds like something a youth minister would make up. We, we actually played volleyball, invited people to join us, and then during our breaks, we would share Christ with them and get to know them a little. Well, we had a fun day. We had a couple of hours, maybe. Um, to To hang out and play in the in the beach you know and swim, and so my buddy and i I think we 're throwing a ball or a frisbee or something and and we 're kind of out a little ways you know in in, in south Padre and we 're bouncing up and down like you have to do with the waves and and for probably about thirty minutes, maybe forty five minutes we 're doing that and 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 we think you know it 's probably probably time to get out and dry off you know we 'll be leaving soon, and we look up, and the bus and everybody we came with were gone. That was my thought, you guys didn't do a head count, are we not important enough that you would not notice, it was a big church but not that big, and and so we started to panic, we were like, you know, this is, this is in 1984, so they probably had the bag phones back then, but we didn't, so no way to call, nothing, you know, we didn't even have a quarter to call someone who cared, you know. And so we, we walk up on the beach and we just we cannot believe in it. They left us. And then we looked, and way down the beach was the bus that we came on and all the people we came with. Here's what happened. See why we were? I think we were throwing a ball and bouncing. Slowly, imperceptibly, over time, we were moving right along down the beach. <laughs> They didn't go anywhere. We did. And that's the warning that Paul gives us here. Don't stray from sound doctrine. I, I know we live in a world. We live in a world where, boy, you can find anything about anything. In fact, I drive probably the people I know, I drive my kids crazy, will have a question that we don't know. Let me look. I Google it, you know, and pick the answer I want. <laughs> One that's closest to the one that I said. We live in the information age. And they're teaching out there that just covers the gamut everywhere. And it's easy. Some of it, some of now some of it's way off. The Church of the Mound of Spaghetti or whatever that thing is. That's a real thing. I don't know how. Um, um, some of it's way off, but some of it's really close just a little off, just a little bit. But, but even if you're a little off here, the further you go, then, then the further off you're going to get. And Paul says, make sure that you stick with sound doctrine. That's why he gave it to us, I believe. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. It's too easy to depart from the faith, to get away from sound doctrine. Make sure you don't do that. But, But I would encourage you this too. Make sure that you don't wander from your relationship with Jesus. Like we did. I promise you, we had no idea we were moving away from our group. How could we not notice? Because we weren't looking at them. We were paying attention to us. And if we're paying attention to us and we're the ones moving, it doesn't look like we moved. So today, l- let me encourage you to do this. James tells us in, in James 4, 8, to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So, so this morning as we prepare our hearts to take the lord's supper to take communion together can, can i just encourage you to do that just just right now as we prepare our hearts just draw near to god and and i don't know what that might look like for you for you it, it might be you know lord i'm i'm walking with you would you help me walk with you closer god would you would you help my thoughts always to be continually pointed towards you would would you help my every action and, and, and my every deed to be a reflection of your love for me? And, and Lord, as I walk through the day, would you keep my, my heart, my mind centered and focused on you? That, that might be what it looks like for you. For some, it may be, God, I think I've, I've wandered a little bit. I, I quit looking to Jesus, and before I knew it, I was, I was away. God, I want to come back. For some, maybe you've never come to the place where you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. The word for that biblically is believe and and have never received the gift of eternal life. Today, I would encourage you to do that. It's not an intellectual thing. You may say, I don't know if I, what about this, what about that? There are some questions we might not get answered this side of heaven. But here's what I know. God loved you so much and he loved you in this way that he sent his only and that means only begotten means one once and forever never to be repeated his son God the son become flesh to die on the cross for your sin that means he became your sin and took your punishment so that you could be the righteousness of God in him maybe you've never heard it that way before My prayer today is if this is the first time that the Holy Spirit just draw you to Him and that today, maybe you take the first step in your walk with Christ, trusting Him and receiving the eternal life that He offers. Let's pray. God, today, I I pray that in obedience, Lord, You would help us to, to just draw near to You. No matter where we are uh, in, in our walk with Christ, no matter where we are in our journey of faith. Lord, there may be some here who who haven't even really begun their journey of faith yet. And God, if that's the case, I just pray that, that as they take that step, Lord, you draw them to you. For all of us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a closer walk with you. That you would change us from the inside out, make us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And as we take communion together as we celebrate the Lord's Supper that that today you'd just remind us of the price that was paid on the cross for our sin. He who knew no sin became our sin so that we could become your righteousness in him. And Father, today, we just ask that you would touch our hearts in a way that only you can, draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.